Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Everybody say, oh. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites across the Jordan River, into the land I'm giving them, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. If we could get that. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Third time's a charm, right? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Help us, give us courage to be flag planters today. God, inspire us to take your, your word where it has never been before in places in our lives where we've, we've neglected it, in places where it so desperately needs to be. Chase the dark out with the light today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys may be seated. High five your neighbor. Tell them, flag planter. I love this passage of scripture because it's, it seems on the surface to be so easy to preach. Um, I've always loved it because it, it seems to go like this to me. Do what God says and everything you do will be blessed. Do what God says and everything that you do will be blessed. It's very fun to preach that. It's very easy. Because it's very true. I didn't hear a lot of amens. Did you know, though, that the best thing to do while you're reading the Bible, and this is something that I've learned recently, and been very blessed by it, the best thing you could do when you're reading the Bible is to ask the question, why? You read it, something goes down a certain way. You read a narrative where someone seems to do something easily. Begin to ask, why? Uh, I... To be honest with you, the longer I stare at a text and ask why, the more God gives me. Like, Moses dies. Joshua takes over. God says, be strong and courageous. And the next thing you know, Joshua is conquering Jericho and all the land and running full speed into the life that God has called him to live. And I'm just going, why? Why did it look that easy? Uh, Why doesn't it work like that for me? You ever read the Bible and ask, why doesn't that happen for me? 
Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Why does it seem like God's moving in other people's lives but not mine? I found that if you're willing to chase the why in Scripture, and I would tell my students to nudge your neighbor and tell them, chase the why, chase the why, chase the why. If you are willing to chase the why, if you look, uh, God will show you things you never know existed. So keep that in mind as you're reading through the Scripture. If you chase the why, God will show you things you never knew existed. If you look back a little bit in Scripture, you will find some things about Joshua that are very interesting. Uh, it's said in verse 1 that Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Did you know that Joshua was Moses' assistant? Joshua would have been following Moses around every day. He was his assistant. Uh, Joshua had front row tickets to everything Moses did. And lucky for Joshua, Moses was a flag planter. So, leading the Israelites out of Egypt, Joshua saw that. Parting the Red Sea, Joshua saw that. Uh, going into the presence of God with no answers and coming out with clear direction, Joshua saw that. If you want to be a flag planter, you might need to follow a flag planter. So, you chase the why long enough in Scripture, and God will show you things. So, what he showed me is that the reason Joshua looked so good in the Scripture, in the text we just read in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, the reason Joshua looked so good there is because of who he followed in the first four books of the Bible, in all of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, the reason he looked so good in Joshua was because who he followed in those books. So, if you're taking notes, and if you want to be a flag planter, write this down. You need a Moses. If you want to be a flag planter, you need a Moses. You guys don't have this back there, but... Verse 3 says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. So, you realize that the mention of Moses' name, this is important, because Moses had just died. And Joshua was probably grieving Moses' death still or just or had just gone through the grieving process of Moses' death. So if you've ever lost a loved one, you know that sometimes just at the mention of their name, it can jog your memory. So when the Lord approached Joshua about going into Jericho and said, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. At the mention of Moses' name, Joshua could probably recall an entire lifetime of experience, an entire lifetime of with Moses' death fresh on his mind, just an entire... Uh, lifetime of who Moses was and what he did and what, what all he was able to accomplish and all the flags that he was able to plant. He, he uh, was able to recall a whole life's worth of experience. So it's very important that uh, when, when the Lord said, Moses, um, it did something for Joshua that I think is crucial. So 
Let's look at all the things that Joshua could have learned from Moses. Ready? How to eat humble pie. Anybody ever tasted that? If you remember Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, who he had his wife and kids living with for a couple years, I still don't know how he did that. I'm a bit jealous. Just kidding. Jethro comes along, and, and, and early in Moses' ministry and leadership, he says, because what Moses would do is he would stand before the entire people of Israel, and he would have them one by one come, and he would hear their case, and he would judge them according to the, the word of the Lord. And uh, The entire nation would line up and hear from Moses, and he would hear everybody's case. Can you imagine how terrible that would have been for everybody? Jethro comes along and says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. If you go back and read, he, he literally says, this is not good. You are not doing this well. And he says, you need to search among these people and find gifted, anointed, God-fearing men who can be leaders of thousands, hundreds, and tens and delegate authority to lead the people so that they can hear cases and you're not stuck. You can do what God wants you to do. Because if you sit here and hear everybody's case all day long, you won't have time to go up on the mountain where God wants you. So Joshua would have learned that from Moses. That when a leader more experienced comes along with a better way of doing things and offers it to you, it's worth eating the humble pie for. So Joshua would have went, okay, all right, don't get stuck in my ways. There's always a better way to do it. I'm not doing it the best way it could be done. He also learned from Moses that God is a little by little God. You guys want to throw that scripture up? Exodus 23 and verse 27, it says, now this is God talking to Moses in the tent of meeting. And it says that Joshua would go into the tent with him. And so this is God telling Moses, I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make all of your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. So Joshua would have also learned from Moses that God is a little by little God. That God says, not only will it not happen next year in 2018 the way you think it's going to happen, not only will it not, I have good reasons for it. I'm expecting you to multiply amongst yourselves before I multiply things around you. Uh, there are things that need to happen in you before they happen around you. So I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to send my terror ahead of you. And the land you're stepping on will already be yours. But it's not going to happen all in one year. I'm going to do it little by little. And so Joshua would have learned this from Moses. It helps to be around a Moses, doesn't it? Even in the early years following God, he learns how to eat humble pie, and he learns how that God is a process God. 
He won't do it in one year. When you get in God's presence, sometimes you get a glowy face. He would have learned this as well. The Bible says that when he would go, Moses would go into the tent of meeting and hear from the word of God. Uh, he would come out of the tent and his, the Bible says that his face shone like the sun. And, and that he would go in all fuzzy minded and come out clear minded. He would go in confused and come out, come out reassured. And so Joshua picked up that time in God's presence is worth it. Sometimes I get a glowy face. So he would come down off the mountain. The people couldn't even look at him because his face shone like the sun. That one's just in there for you to laugh. God is with us and for us even when we fail. So following Moses around, Joshua would have picked up on that too. I don't think Joshua was with him early enough to see Moses kill the Egyptian. You guys remember this? But I, I, I still think Moses talked about it. I like to stare at text and ask why. So I can kind of see Moses and Joshua sitting around one day. Maybe in the tent. Maybe on the mountain. Maybe on the way. But Moses going, man, that affected me. That, I've never been the same since I killed that guy. I flipped off the handle. I lost my temper. I saw the way they were treating my Hebrew brother and I lost it, and I don't think I've ever been the same since. Joshua would have been around, however, uh, to see Moses come down from the mountain the first time. Do you remember this? He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain, and Aaron and the people are worshiping a golden cow. The Bible says that Moses, in a fury of rage, (laughs) takes the Ten Commandments and throws them on the ground, and they break. The very law that God called him up onto the mountain to obtain. He throws down and breaks him. And he says that he went down to the people, melted the golden calf down into into a liquid, and made everybody drink it. Someone say temper tantrum. (laughs) Nowhere in the word of God will you read that that was how God wanted it to go down. (laughs) But he, he flipped out. Moses had a problem with his temper. But God called him back up on the mountain. He said, get back up there. Let's do it again. So Joshua would have learned how to eat humble pie, how God is a little by little God, how uh, when you get in God's presence, you get a glowy face, and God is with you and for you even when you flip out and you fly off the handle and you're you're so angry that you do things you shouldn't do. I, I just wonder how many are convinced because of what you've done. You don't feel like God could use you in this season. But God gave the Joshua something through Moses that's very important. That that is not true. That that flag is a flag from the enemy. And that no matter how you failed, no matter how far you think you've fallen, God can call you back up on the mountain. That's good. So the fastest way, I asked the students, oh wait, I forgot a good one. Your disbelief, this is what he would have learned from Moses. Your disbelief in one season can cause unexpected delays in the next. Think about, the Bible says that the, the Egyptians got, uh, the Israelites were rescued from the Egyptians and that they spent and went up to the edge of the promised land. They sent out spies and the spies came back and gave a false report and the, the, they were scared and terrified and there was disbelief. 
in the camp. And Moses, being the leader, allowed it. And you, you read, and all of a sudden, going from Egypt to the promised land is separated by 40 years in the desert. Joshua, following Moses, would have learned something from that. That if I have disbelief in one season, Moses is dead now, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I've called you to walk around Jericho a couple times. If I have disbelief about that, I could have unexpected delays in the next season. So I don't care how crazy it sounds. We'll walk around this town 70 times. Just keep our mouth shut and march. Because I know that God is not an all-at-once God. I know that when I mess up, he's still for me. And I know that if I have disbelief right here and now, it could cause an entire season of delay. And we're done delaying. So, this is where I would tell my students, um, you need to find your Moses. A Moses in your life is, is perhaps the most beneficial thing the, perhaps the greatest gift that, that, that God has already given you. Um, some of you have, have, have a mentor. And um, now that we're in the month of November and we're thanking everybody all the time, <laughs> if, you've, listen, if you have any bit of success whatsoever, it's because somebody else poured into you a little bit, taught you things you didn't know, gave you opportunities you would have never had a shot at. You need to text them right now. <laughs> I don't care. I'll let you do it. Preachers love instant action. Call, call them this week, text them, thank you for pouring into me. Thank you for being, giving me opportunities that I would have never otherwise had. Um, and if you do not have a mentor, you need to find your Moses. It's very important that you find your Moses. If you want to take the ground that God has called you to take, um, you'll need a Moses to do that. So, find your Moses. This is why small groups are so important. I always tell the youth group that you get front row tickets to your adult leader's life. It's kind of scary if you're an adult leader, isn't it? Always, always tell them, why don't you make sure you're living a life worth following? Um, but as a youth, that's why small groups are so important because you get front row tickets to their lives. They learn how to serve God like you're serving God. They learn how to follow, uh, take ground like you know how to take ground. And they're taking cues from you. Uh, and you get front row tickets to that. Joshua had front row tickets to Moses' life. So, number one, find your Moses. Number two, if you're taking notes, is uh, if you, if you want to find out exactly what God has inside of you, you, you need a Moses and you need a Caleb. You guys remember Caleb? Moses had sent out 12 spies to go check out the land after they had just uh, exited Egypt through the miraculous hand of God. And Moses says, hey, there's the land, fellas, that God has given us. We're getting ready to take it. Why don't you go out, scout it out, bring back some of the fruit, tell us how it is, and we'll go take this thing. Well, 12 of them go out, and 12 of them come back. Two of them come back believing that they can take Jericho just because God said so. I need to tell you, you need people in your life that believe that, he, that you can take ground just because God said so. You need friends who want to plant flags as bad as you do. 
Check it out in Numbers 13.30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We will certainly conquer it. See, what happened was those 12 spies came back. They gave a false report of, oh, the land is, is amazing, but there's giants there. And compared to them, we look like grasshoppers. And all of a sudden, fear began to spread through the camp like a poison. That's a sermon right there, isn't it? <laughs> Preaching the wrong message. And before you knew it, Moses and Aaron were on the ground, clueless about what God would do next. When Joshua and Caleb were looking at each other going, what the heck is going on? He said it was ours. You need people in your life that tap you on the shoulder every now and again and say, it's already yours. Yeah. The godly kids you're trying to raise. The ground that your, your company is trying to take. That for the glory of God, it's already yours. So, sends out the 12 spies. Only two of them were flag planners. Most people believe God can move. Few people believe that God can move through them. In a room like this, there's more than 12 of us. But I would say the ratio might be something like two out of every 12. I always say that at youth group. <laughs> so how many in this room are willing to go where God says to go just because he said it's yours? And, uh, and know that just because God says you're standing on land I've already given you, it's worth facing the giants for. So I, I believe that's the difference between flag planters and the rest of the world is that not only do I believe that God can move, but I believe it could be through me. As crazy as that sounds looking in the mirror, I believe it could happen. And just because God said so, I'm going to try it. Amen. So, there will be times where you need people like that. People like Moses to speak into you and to show you. See, when, when God told Joshua to be strong and courageous, he told him three times. Always breezed over that like, oh yeah, Joshua needed to hear it. He was scared. He needed to hear, be strong, be strong, be strong. Although that might be true, he would have already have known what strong and courageous looked like from following Moses around. That when Moses was at a point of disbelief and uncertainty, thinking that he didn't have what it took to go before Pharaoh and God making it happen through him anyway, Joshua would have picked, on, picked up on strength and courage from the very beginning. So I don't think God was telling him to be strong and courageous as much because he needed to hear it as much as he was just telling him to remind him what it looked like. So it's very important in your life that you, have, you, are, you are with people who can remind you what faithfulness and courage look like. Amen? Amen. I think the band's going to come and help me close. We are almost done. Um, I love what Joshua does at the end of his life. Um, first of all, I told you at the beginning, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with these type of stories in the Bible. 
about Moses's and Joshua's. And uh, I absolutely love finding something like this in the Bible and following it all the way through. Sometimes we get into reading plans and we stop where the, where the, where the app tells us to stop. And we forget that we're reading about a man that lived an entire life. And, and, and let's go, let, let's just sit at it. Let's just stare at it and ask why for a second. Where did he start? Who was he with? What kind of clothes did he wear? What was it about him that caused him great victory? And how did he transition? And how did he leave this world? And what was the legacy he left behind? There's all that, all those unanswered questions when you're reading the Bible. That if you push in and ask why and dig a little bit, God will show you things that weren't in the original verses. That the reason he looked so good in verses 1 through 9 is because who he was with. And that if you ever, ever intend to look that good, you better be careful who you're with. And so, at the beginning, as all the kids at youth group walked through the sanctuary doors, we gave them these little uh, steak skewers uh, with little flags attached to them, like, you know, flags that you would plant. Everybody got a flag. Actually, my wife stayed up late and helped me make them one night. And I had to cut the sharp ends off of them because I thought somebody would get stabbed. (laughs) True story. Went out in the garage and got that. Got it done. So we handed them out at youth group. We said, hey, hold on to these. These will be important for the message. God wants to do something tonight. So we handed them out. I was mentioning the flags all throughout the sermon like you're a flag planner. Uh, Some of you are depressed. And that is nowhere near acceptable. Some of you are thinking about taking your life. And that is nowhere near acceptable. Some of you are afraid to do what God has called you to do. Because there's a misplaced flag in your life. And so we went down through it. And at the end of the sermon, it was this, it was this neat moment where we were deciding where we needed to plant the next flag. Uh, And so I I brought up this scripture at the end of Joshua 24. I think it'll be on the screen. At the very end of Joshua's life, he says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. He's an old guy now. He's conquered many territories. He's planted many flags. And he's at the end of his life And he's saying, listen, choose today who you're going to serve. You prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you now live? And then he says these famous lines. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, if you're around flag planters, both in front of you and beside of you. When you get to the end of, the, of your life, you'll be able to plant flags. 
and I believe that he drove a stake down in, in the life of his family and before all the Israelites. And he says, choose who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, I'm going to get you to do that. We're going to serve the Lord. So, I forgot to mention that the, that the little flag was white that night. Because I believe every step of the way, if you're going to be a flag planner, it is, it is surrender that gets you there. When, when Moses was first approached by Jethro to change the way he was leading, it was surrender. When God didn't drive the Israelites out after the first plague and went back to Pharaoh and hardened his heart, Moses just surrendered. Like, what am I going to do? There's frogs everywhere. <laughs> and then he didn't do it the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time. And he just surrendered. And Joshua gets to the end of his life and he says, as for me and my house, we're going to choose surrender. So Joshua, he saw Moses and he saw Caleb both doing it. There's a really neat story about Caleb going back and doing it when he's like 70 years old. If you go back and read it a little bit. But you need to be intentional about the people you are around. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. We're getting ready to close. So if you could picture uh, a couple rows full of students holding their little white flags, um, you would... You would look around the room and you, you would see intentional faces. It's really neat as a youth pastor to see this. Uh, about kids who are just serious. About, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. I don't have to be bullied. I don't have to be afraid. That God has put a spirit of power, love, and sound mind in my body. And I'm going to plant a flag today of victory. And so I challenged them. I said, find your Moses. Find your Caleb. And I asked them, what are the areas in your life right now that the devil has taken from you? Where are you most afraid? Where are you most bitter? Where are you harboring unforgiveness? Because I believe that the enemy plants those flags well. And he can take up all kinds of ground up here. You will not process life correctly the way God has called you to process life if you have the enemy, uh, if the enemy has ground in your brain, in your mind. God gave the human mind to us as our greatest defense. It's what we have over every other species to keep us alive. And if you have misplaced territory up here, it is not good. So come on, wherever there is fear, wherever there is unforgiveness, wherever there is bitterness, wherever there is uh, depression, I believe that God today would ask that you take what is already yours and you plant a flag. Amen? What areas do you need to reclaim in the name of Jesus right now? Come on, think about it. Don't shout it out. But uh, let's pray together. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you that your hand is on us. 
God, I pray that you would give us the courage to plant flags in our own lives. Lord, you would send people our way that you would cause us to track people down who are going to be our Moses. Lord, people that we can follow around uh, into the most intimate situations and see how they handle them. Into the most fearful situations, see how they handle them. Into the most stressful situations and see how they handle them. God, because what you can teach us through somebody else is amazing. We want to learn how to follow you better. We want to learn how to plant flags. Put people in our lives like Caleb's, God, that will come alongside of us in the midst of utter chaos and say, this land belongs to you because God said it so. So God, help us, give us courage, give us strength to be flag planters. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you all. We'll see you next week.